our gospel reading today. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The teacher of religious law replied, well said teacher, you have spoken the truth by saying there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. Realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Good morning, everybody. May God's name be blessed through the public reading of his words. And may our hearts be nurtured and nourished as God feeds us this morning. So we're starting a new series and um, uh, this morning's task is just to start the kickoff um, the series and see how, how God wants to reveal himself afresh uh, through his word this morning. And um, part of what we've been doing in the lockdown, we've been doing this dwelling in the word session where people can come join, we read the passage of scripture and we pay attention attentively to things, words, um, activities that are happening in the passage where God is drawing our attention to and then we bring it uh, to the pot after we've been listening uh, to one another and uh, part of our let's say journey is that actually with dwelling the word we have reached Mark chapter 12 so it's really the timing of it I promise I did not plan it this way, but God is much bigger than that. So the timing of it is for us to enter in this kind of uh, journey with uh, Mark chapter 12. And what we have found out, especially in the last four or five weeks, is that Jesus is engaging with people. He's training the disciples, but also he's engaging with people. Or people like the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees are trying to engage in G with Jesus in a way to put him on the spot so he's caught in the wrong. And that's what's happening in chapter 12 of Mark. But 
I, I want to suggest, and I, th I think we probably have sussed it, that with this passage there is a difference with the previous experiences of the Pharisees. And we'll pick it up later on in the series. But what I want to say is that there is somebody who comes to Jesus and he says, what does the law say? What is the greatest commandment? And Jesus immediately quotes something from the old days, something from the ancient days. And he quotes a, a creedal statement. So this, this is something that the Israelites have had for so many centuries, passed it on to generation. And he quotes from that. And he says, hear, O Israel. So we're going to start off this series today by going back to that quotation of Jesus. If you've got your Bibles, open them to Deuteronomy chapter 6. For those of you who have just joined us or are new, um, you hear some funny phrases or strange phrases which you do not pick up in normal daily language, don't hesitate to come and talk to me. I'll try to be as, as friendly as possible in explaining. But, but Deuteronomy is a book, the old book of the, 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 the ancient um, people of God. And um, the reason why it's called Deuteronomy is because the books in, in the old um, Jewish terms were named by their first opening sentence. So Deuteronomy is, these are the words. That's what it means. So um, here we've got Jesus quoting from Deuteronomy. And there is this creedal that Moses is sharing with the people of Israel. And he says, Hear, <clears throat> O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, the NIV and the ESV has, has got it different. The Lord, our God, is one. And um, when we come to that passage or to that place today, I'm going to, to give you what I think of that. But we've got this summoning of God's people. And the God of Israel says, here. So this, this series, actually, we're going to do a Jewish thing here. It's, it's named after this word, here, because actually, that's what it's called in, in those terms. It's called the Shema. And the Shema is, is here means the word here. Now, there is different ways that we come to the word here. Let's say me and Richard Taylor happen to be in a supermarket and I call Richard for his attention. This is not intentional. We've gone to the same supermarket and I say Richard and the response is Richard response. So this is to, to, to here. So there's no, no intention here. There is um, a, a biblical kind of support for that, is when, when um, Adam and Eve were in the garden and God said, where were you? And he said, 
I heard your sound in the garden. So it's not intentional. It's just you happen to be there to hear. The second meaning for hear is to listen. So there is a little bit more intention here. It's, it's when you've got in Genesis 27. So it's the same word. It's the word used here is the word Shema. When actually Rebecca is listening to Isaac when he's speaking to Esau. So there is an intention there to listen. Another way that use, the, the, the word Shema is used is also to obey. So for example, in in God speaking to the people of Israel, he says in Genesis 22, you will be blessed because you have shemad my voice. You have obeyed my voice. It's, it's that understanding that if I've told my kids not to leave Legos around, when you walk in the bedroom and you step on a Lego, they have not Shemad, they've not listened with that idea of obedience. And there is a fourth kind of intake in words, Shema. It's to, to understand. So we've got in Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, when Elohim, God, says, let's confuse their language so they want Shema one another's language. And the best description of the words Shema comes from Proverbs 4 1. When he's uh, when the 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 wisdom says, Hear sons, the father's instructions, and be attentive so you may gain insight and understanding. So, so the idea, the word Shema cares is that you not only listen, but you listen to gain understanding. And that is not what the Pharisees or the Sadducees were doing when they were engaging with Jesus, because their motivations was not to gain understanding, because God, the Messiah, had come to earth and dwelt. No, they wanted to engage with him because their motivations was that they wanted to trick him. They wanted to put him on the spot so he is found out. So when God is calling, he's summoning his people with the intention for us to listen and to understand what God is saying. So, Shema Israel, here to gain understanding, O Israel. Now, we come to the name Israel, and I, I know that if I was to ask you what do we mean by the name Israel, or what do we... Let me get some water. What, what things come to mind when we say Israel? And probably one thing would be the ancient people of Israel. And like Helen reminded us, the, the current situation. 
I, I would like to suggest that is a little bit bigger than that. I think when God is calling Israel, he is calling them by their name because they're their people. But I think that also has got connotation for us as well. Now, when God is calling Israel there, he is reminding them of something that has happened. What was Israel before they became Israel? They were wandering people. And what was the name of Israel before that? It was Jacob. If you go to um, Genesis 27, Jacob was a cheater. He cheated twice. God is calling his people now. He's summoning his people and he's saying, I have transformed you from a cheater to Israel. From Jacob to Israel. Because what we read in chapter 32 of Genesis is the Israel means the one who struggles with God and overcomes. So God comes to his people and he says, Here, you who used to be like this, but now you're overcomers. And we know that with Christ, we're more than overcomers. I know that there is, <coughs> excuse me, there is an, a, a, a parallel that I want to draw here. Because we, if we read Galatians, we read that if you are of Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, as according to that promise. If you read Galatians chapter 6, it says, Peace and mercy be upon them, upon the Israel of God. So who is Israel because of what Christ has done? It's you and me. So this summoning of God's people to hear, to listen with the, the point and intention to understand is, is for you and for me today. Listen so you can understand what I say to you. And isn't it, isn't it amazing that when God summons his people, the first thing he does is he calls them their name. He calls your name because you are created in the image of God. The creator of the universe has got your attention so you can hear and listen in order for you to get that understanding. I find this really, really transforming. The God Almighty, God of the universe, cares to call you by name. Catherine reminded us of God's love earlier on. 
He loves you. And I think as we come out of this pandemic, and as we go into whatever God has got in store for us for the next weeks and stuff, let's bear that in mind. That the creator of the universe, God Almighty, is calling you by name. And he's grabbing your attention by saying, Shema, listen, so you can gain insight and understanding. And then, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And that's the next phrase that we're going to be working with. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Now, if you were to look at your Bibles, that verse has got a little footnote. All the Bibles have got it. And there is, there is a footnote there for 6.4b, and it says, Or the Lord our God is one Lord, or the Lord our God, the Lord is one, or the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. All the Bibles have got it. We, we want to stop a little bit here. Because before we start interpreting what we, what we want to achieve with that, I want to stop at each word. So what, what it's saying here is that actually the Lord, now this is the word that the Jewish people could not even pronounce. It was a holy word. So, in one sense, they started using the word that relate to this holy name, which was Adonai. There is also stories that every, every time the scribes wrote the name Yahweh, they had to break the pen that they wrote it, because that's how serious they were about this name. They were serious to the point that they were scared of misusing the name Yahweh. So how do you do that? Well, you don't use it at all. And therefore, you choose the name Adonai. And, and when, God, when God reveals, when Adonai reveals to Moses, he says to Moses in, in Exodus chapter 3, I am the God who is with you tell me who you are tell me your name and god does not give him the name and he says but i am the god who's going to be with you and what do we have in jesus when jesus comes to earth he's emmanuel god with us so, so this God who is the creator, who is almighty, who we cannot even say the name because it's so holy and so big, he is the God who is imminent. He's so close. He's so near. And this is what he's saying. Hear of all Israel, the Lord. Adonai, the one who is imminent, the one who is close to you, is our God. 
And the word that is used there for our God is Elohim. And Elohim is the first word that is used, with, if you open Genesis, is the God who created. Who, Elohim is, is the God who is far above us. And do, do, you, do you see what's happening in this big statement, in this summoning of God's people? He's saying, hear, O Israel, the one who you have been called from being a cheater to an overcomer, God who is near you and yet far above you, wants to grab your attention so you can listen intentionally. When God says, listen carefully, and calls you by name, tells you how he has transformed you, and how he has been always, how you have been always the center of his creation and redemption's plan, is how is the, and how this God is the God who is so close, though so far above us. This God is one. Now, this is where I want to stop because I think I would like to suggest that I agree with both translations, one and alone, because they both convey a, a, a part of God's characteristics that is very, very important for the declaration of this statement. Because what's happening here is we need to, to, to remember that this is during the Canaanite, the, the ancient Canaanite, where actually the, the people were surrounded by multi-facets of their little gods, which they would appear in different ways, and they would not be stable, and they were very grumpy gods, and very um, capricious, and very... People were very fearful and all those things. And here, he's saying God is one. God is one. Which is conveying that actually he is very constant in his character. But also he's exclusive in his relationship in comparison to other gods. So that's why I'm going down the roots of alone and one, because I think, in one sense, alone suggests that among all the gods that you see, whether carved or not carved, whether subtle or obvious, whether part of a, a, a thinking or a mentality or something that is very obviously stated, these are all the gods, and, and the statement here is that God, Adonai Elohim, is one. He stands out, and he stands out in a way that because you are the center of his attention, he wants this relationship with you, and it's exclusive. But also, he is alone. He's alone in his character. There is no one like our God. That's the statement that we're saying here. Hear, O Israel, 
The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. The Lord our God is one Lord. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is our God, the Lord is one. When God says, listen carefully, calls you by name, tells you how he has transformed you from Jacob to Israel, how, he's been, how you've been always the center of his creation and redemption plan, how he is the God who is so close, though so far above us, is exclusive in his relationship, but he's got great integrity of character. And the most fascinating thing about this is that when God summons his people, although we say that the first thing that he says is the name, the first thing that happens is that God summons his people by his word. He speaks. And when God speaks, when God shamas, when God speaks, our response is to shamar, to listen so we can understand what He's saying to us. And what is God saying to us this morning? Perhaps. The challenge is to us to, to have those listening skills. That there is a little bit more than just intention. There is a little bit more than just the ability to sit and to listen. And I think catching the wave is, and um, one church one day, these prayer opportunities we have is to listen. But perhaps the, the, the summoning is for us to listen to his words in the midst of all the voices and all the, the, the noises and all the, all the things that we, we, we face. I don't know about you, but I keep finding myself being distracted by things that are utterly useless. And I find it very difficult, and I'm confessing this, to be in that stature of heart, to be listening intentionally with that desire so I can understand, so I can be found doing what God has asked me to do. The reason why I've chosen this series is because I think as God's people, we are in that stage where we need to listen to see what God is saying to us. And in order for us to listen, we need to, to accept what God is saying over us. And if God calls you by name, 
What do you think of yourself? What do you make of yourself? And how does that compare to what God has poured out for you? His love. If God is presenting himself as the God who is imminent, so near and transcendent, above and above and far above us, then what do we do with this? Because one thing is true, God is God alone. He's exclusive and has made it possible for us to be in a relationship through the Lord Jesus. And he's God, that is God one. He's unchangeable in his character. So as God's people, we are encouraged, we're summoned by his word today to be listening. And perhaps you are here like me, who knows what God is wanting to say sometimes. And I keep ignoring it. Who knows that actually I need to listen intentionally so I can understand why God is saying that to me because sometimes I think I know it better than God. That's a problem. The summoning today is for us to shema, to listen so we can understand what God is saying to us. And we're not going to stop the series here. Next week, we're going to talk about the, the next part of the Shema and the following week and the following week. So in one sense, we're tuning our listening. Because God wants us to listen to him. And we're going back to Jesus's encounter with this scribe saying, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, this is the greatest commandment. And I don't know if you've spotted this, but for once, Jesus declares that the scribe is very close to the kingdom of heaven because he has understood what that Shema means. I want to be close to the kingdom of heaven. This is an opportunity for us to be close to the kingdom of heaven. Let's listen so we can understand what God, what God is to say to us. So we're coming back to that song that we sang in the beginning. We're coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Let's pray. We are so grateful that you are a God who speaks and summons us by your words.
Lord, would you give us the strength? Would you give us insights? Would you give us the ability to, yeah, acknowledge all our distractions, all the things that distort your voice over our lives? And we're so grateful for your love for us. We're so grateful that you are God who is so close and yet so above us. Lord, help us to make the most of that today and in the coming days as we worship you. Thank you that you are calling us to that heart of worship. And Lord, we want to say today, that it is all about you. So here we come, Lord, with our intentions to have attentive hearts and dependent selves on your spirit to be found not only listening, but to be found obeying what you've asked us to do. Lord, we want to love you this week. And you say, if you love me, you obey my commandments. So we want to do that, Lord. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>